Welcome back to the SBS Sports Talk Show presented by the Sports Business Society at UVA. I'm Michael Rockless along with my co-host Mike Popper. We do not have Will tonight, but instead we have a special guest, Thomas Kenzora, who goes to the University of Maryland, and he is the managing editor of their SB Nation page, Testudo Times. We have some great topics tonight. We're going to talk about the college football playoff ranking. The final release was tonight before the actual final release. And then we're going to preview some of the best NFL games for this weekend. Make sure you listen to this at 1.5 times speed. Hit it. So before we get into our read option for tonight, uh, Thomas, why don't you go and introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what, who you are and what you do at University of Maryland. Well, I'm a junior at Maryland um, from, from Fairfax County, Virginia, um, multi-platform journalism major. Uh, started working at Testudo Times my freshman year. Uh, within a couple of years, you know, I ended up becoming managing editor. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. I cover Maryland football and basketball. I'm actually down here because Maryland women's basketball is playing at UVA on Wednesday night. Um, so that's a lot of fun, and I'm excited to be on. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thanks and, for coming on. Yeah, and without further ado, uh, Mike, got to read for me. Yeah, the moment you've all been waiting for when I first speak. Um, we got an article from The Ringer about Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder's problems. Um, and like I you know, said for... Ever since Russell Westbrook pretty much entered the league, his play style will never win a championship. And, and the Ringer tends to agree with me. Uh, they talk about the offensive, you know, tendency for them to stand around. Russell Westbrook is an iso ball player. Even though he racks up the assists, they're kind of fake assists. Um, and it just kind of talks about how they aren't gelling yet. And interestingly, compares them to the, I think, 2012-2013 Laker team, where Howard was in the last year of his contract, much like Paul George. Uh, Steve Nash was brought in. So, I don't know what you, what you guys have to think about, you know, the NBA, but you got any takes on that team? Um, I mean, that team was, like, thrown together last minute, and it, it had, you know, three guys who are, are ball-dominant players uh, in Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Um, Melo joined the team right before training camp. It was always gonna take time for that to work um i don't know what the ceiling is for it either but it's it's off to kind of a rocky start i think that was probably to be expected yeah i pretty interesting uh mike i know when we talked about the nba at the beginning of the season the thunder uh was the team that we pinpointed as uh the one that had the best chance to overthrow the warriors obviously we knew about the rockets and the spurs and the t wolves um, who are all off to better regular season starts than OKC. Um, and I think it was fair for pe- for us to think that they'd get off to a sloppy start. Um, but, I mean, they do look bad. And at this point, do you, I mean, do you think it's over for them or do you think they can bring it back together? I tend to think with, their, with some of the talent they have, they are capable of at least scaring some teams down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's, let's not overreact here. I don't think it's not a blow it up blow it all up situation you know people kind of thought that about the Cavs look they've run off eight straight now with, with a win last night or tonight Tuesday um but when you think about it the offense is just horrendous I mean what they put up 86 points against the three and 15 Dallas Mavericks 
with three, I mean, Paul George went one for 12. Carmelo Anthony played 21 minutes. Russell Westbrook's chucking up shots in clutch. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, Billy Donovan you know, was famous for that motion offense in Florida, and it's just disappeared. Yeah, one interesting thing with them, kind of thinking long-term, uh, is you have Paul George on the one-year contract. Um, and this was kind of like the experiment, like, are we going to be able to get this guy to stay and want to play with Russell Westbrook? Um, and, you know, you kind of look forward to his other option being going to Los Angeles and joining forces with LeBron. As the season goes forward, that almost looks less and less likely that LeBron's going to go to L.A. So I don't know what you guys think, Thomas, we can bounce this back to you. Do you think that this is a core that maybe they can catch some steam as we go throughout the season, make a little bit of a playoff push, and bring those guys back to run it, run it back uh, for next season and beyond? Well, I mean, right now, uh, at probably the quarterway point of the season, they're right on the playoff bubble. I don't think they'll have any problem with the playoff bubble. There's just too much talent. I think they'll figure out what to do. Those guys are all talented players, and um, they've been around the league for a while. Uh, I I really doubt that the core stays together beyond this year. Um, and I, I don't know who ends up going where or what happens from there, but I don't. I, I, would, I would be surprised if they started trading anybody, but I don't. I also don't really see it lasting beyond this year. Well, final point on that is, is Mello has the, the opportunity to opt out after this year. So on top of Paul George losing, they could be back to the Russell Westbrook show 2.0. Um, but Mike, what do you got for me for your read option? Yeah, so we're going to go back to another Ringer article, mention how fond we are of that website. Uh, and there's an article that came out after uh, Monday night's UVA-Wisconsin basketball game, uh, of course, part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, it was in Charlottesville at JPJ, um, and the Wahoos took home a beautiful 49-37 to victory. This article talks about how these two Power Five teams, who are really two very successful Power Five programs, looking over the past four or five years, um, even a little bit further back if you want to look at a Wisconsin, um, and how their just lethargic paces, had a collision course for each other, and there is nothing else to expect besides this outcome, 49-37. I'll reiterate that. Um, I was at the game. Doesn't When you're there, it just doesn't seem like it's that slow and that low scoring. And as a Virginia basketball fan, you've, you come to appreciate and love that. Thomas, I don't know if you caught the game. Mike, I know you were following it and watching it. Um, so what were your takeaways from a classic UVA performance and victory uh, at home to improve to what? 6-0? and 7-0. 7-0. Go yeah. Hoos. Go Hoos. But that is a game that's that's not going to you know, show, show a first-time college basketball watcher. He's never coming back. Because that is just a, that's a slow game. Um, you're like you talked about Virginia last in adjusted tempo by Ken Palm. Wisconsin looks like they're bottom 20, 20th, 20th to last. So you got two powerhouses, like you said, and it just looked slow. It just looked I mean, like it's just, it, it's. I like watching our team win, but it was just not that much fun. Forty nine thirty seven is illegal in seven countries. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It, it after I mean I covered the Maryland game from my couch and that was a 72 to 70 game that we thought was going to be a low scoring first to 60 wins uh, and then we knew this one was going to be like first to 40 wins 
And and it was. Yeah, and then it was. <laughs> yeah, one team didn't even get to 40. Um, the Maryland game was against Syracuse. At correct? Syracuse. At Syracuse. And did the ACC take that one as well? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. All right. We are reigning supreme. Yeah. Um, um, but, I, I mean, just as a UVA fan, and like I said, I'm at the game, and there are a lot of good looks missed by both teams. Um, obviously, a long time eating up the clock for both both styles of play kind of dictate that uh, tempo. Um, but there are still good looks missed here and there. But when you're sitting there at the game, it doesn't look as painfully slow as I'm sure it does on TV. I'm kind of taking a UVA perspective on this. Um, I don't know what you what you saw, Mike, that you really liked. There are a couple things that I liked, namely, uh, mainly Kyle Guy and Devin Hall, if you want to elaborate on those two guys and their performance. Yeah, well, well something that Kyle Guy has really just developed this season is, is attacking the paint. Um, and Devin Hall has done it well, you know, that's kind of always been his go-to is getting, but, but he's doing it more. And that's something, you know, the who's needed. Um, a lot of last year was stagnant, stagnant offense around the perimeter, no attacking the basket, no slashing and dishing, low free throw, low amount of free throws. We didn't shoot any last night, but that was, that was, we scored 32 points in the paint. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a lack of trying. And that's what you like because that opens up Kyle guys perimeter shooting. It opens up Ty Jerome on the perimeter. Um, and those driving dishes, along with, you know, Nigel Johnson brings that in too, are going to be key to, to you know, unlocking the, the offense that Tony Bennett wants to run. Um, another thing that I really liked was you know, Jack Salt, again, playing insane defense, locking up Ethan Happ. I don't know, was that, was that something you wanted to say? Yeah, not necessarily wanted to say, but sitting up close where I was, um, Ethan Happ had maybe four baskets where he kind of got it in the low post and just kind of went to work. But otherwise, Jack Salt was really there, good body uh, down low on defense. Also, kind of back to Jack Salt and Isaiah Wilkins and Mamadi Diakite specifically, offensive rebounds, UVA really impressive. Not a ton of second chance points, I think only six. But when you're UVA and you're getting those offensive rebounds and you're taking an extra 20, 30 seconds... Off the original 20, 30 seconds you took to get your first shot really wears down an opposing team. Um, and, you know, when you're conditioned to be a UVA fan, uh, that's the style of play you really come to know and love. Yeah. Um, all right, well, moving on to uh, drop the mic. Mike, you look excited about this one, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, we have two really good ones today. I'm going to start. My guy, former Philadelphia Eagles head coach Chip Kelly, was named the head coach at UCLA this past weekend. Chip Kelly, uh, most Eagles fans probably have a conflicted history when they look back on their relationship with him. I've always stood by Chip. Obviously, it didn't end in uh, Philadelphia how you wanted it to, but I'm really, really excited to see him back in college where he thrived at Oregon, um, and I think he's going to do some really good things with that UCLA program. So I'm, I'm excited to see him back, and you know, let me, let me shoot my shot. I'm a UCLA Bruins football fan. All right, well, I'm not going to go that far. Um, but, you know, I think Eagles fan complaining about Chip Kelly don't realize, you know, he gave you a lot. Besides, you know, at, when you look past what he did to on the player personnel side, all right, that was bad. But he gave you the whole sports science program. He gave you, what, Dave Phipp, right? That's your special teams coach? Yeah. Um, he instituted, you know, just the culture that has kind of led the Eagles to where they are today, kind of. Um, so I think he gets a lot of hate in, in that in that regard, but I'm happy he's back in, in college football. College football is a better pl- is, is in a better place now that Chip Kelly is back than it is right now, and it's going to be interesting because he was gone before the playoff was a thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how that interacts. Um, he's got a lot of talent in the UCLA area. Uh, not always been a problem for UCLA, but he's going to be able to tap into that. You know, Los Angeles, California, 
um, talent group, and he's going to bring his offense back. You know, it, it's kind of, you know, the par for the course now. Just the spread, you know, gun it and go offense. But he's still the best at it. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, a couple of interesting notes before I bounce this uh, to Thomas. I do agree with a lot of what you just said, but in terms of culture, I think what his biggest impact was he made it very clear to the Eagles that they wanted to do the exact opposite of what he did. I think culture was the wrong word. Yeah, from a personality standpoint, Doug Peterson, right. way different. Yes. Enough about the Eagles, but going back to the college football playoff, so he left right before that started. Right. His first year with the Eagles was 2013, um, and I think 13 or 14 was the first year of the playoff, but his offensive coordinator and his quarterback, Mar- uh, Mark Helfrich and Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. um, went to the college football playoff, won a game, lost to Al- uh, Ohio State in the in first, first championship. Playoff, yeah, yeah and, um, and then now his Helfrich's offensive coordinator is now the coach at UCF who's undefeated. So a couple of his... Frost, his, right? Frost, Scott Frost, yeah. He's going to Nebraska. It, well, we'll see. Yes, we'll see. He's a hot candidate. I'm surprised he didn't land at Florida. But So he does have a little bit of a college coaching tree. Um, like you said, UCLA, really good area to recruit. Um, now that you have this playoff wrinkle, he did get, obviously, to a title game against Auburn uh, back when they had Cam Newton uh, at Auburn, and Auburn won the game. So a couple different things there for Chip Kelly. More coaches embracing his style. I don't know, Thomas, any thoughts you have on on this move? Biggest coaching hire of uh, of the season for college football, in my opinion. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, at, at least so far with uh, UCLA is a, a school that is kind of a sleeping giant, I would say. Uh, it, you know, it's right in the middle of LA. It plays in the Rose Bowl. Um, it's it's in a division that's that's winnable um, with even with USC in it. Uh, so, you know, UCLA has the potential to be a great program. And Jim Mora took it to like you know kind of the eight win program. If Chip Kelly can take it the, to the next step, um, then then UCLA is going to be relevant. And I think that'll be a lot more fun. Uh, with with more uh, sort of teams like that relevant, um, I don't know. I don't know about like best or biggest hire. I would say Dan Mullen is up there right now. Um, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the hell Tennessee is going to do, but probably fiasco. <laughs> that was. Uh, I, I still think Dan Mullen's probably the most slam dunk hire so far, at least. Um, but Chip Kelly might be the most interesting. Yeah, I, one thing that you hit on was um, obviously USC, UCLA um, in the same conference and regionally very close, both in Los Angeles. I think that could become a really big-time rivalry. Um, Clay Helton's done a really good job at USC. Um, all right, so obviously big Chip Kelly guy, so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I think we have coming up here the biggest drop the mic of, of, the, uh, of the history of our show, um, and I'm just going to mic – just drop it on us. Ben McAdoo has crossed the line. He drove the Giants organization into a hole, and he has now blown up that hole, and he's falling into the Earth's core. I am beside myself. I am furious. I am sad. I'm emotional because, you know, who knows what this organization is going to do with Eli Manning, the greatest New York Giants New York football Giants quarterback to ever play the game. He brought us so much. He brought us so many good moments. And for the streak to end in the fashion that it has right now, in a crappy season, losing his job to freaking Geno Smith, not even Davis Webb. 
it's it's an abomination. John Mara should never show his face in public again. Ben McAdoo will not be back allowed back in the state of New York. And I don't know if I have ever you know, really gone and, and said I'm I'm rooting for the Giants to lose. Uh, I, I've always wanted them in this in this situation that they are in now to if they play well, I want them to win. If they play poorly, you know, why why play poorly and win a game in a meaningless season? Right? If you're gonna play poorly, you're gonna lose. I might actually be actively rooting for Geno Smith and Ben McAdoo to lose this game in an embarrassing fashion. I hope nobody shows up to this to the stadium because that's how Mara is going to get the point. And I hope that McAdoo is gone right after the game. Wow, I mean, not not uh, anything you know vulgar there. I, I expected. I got to keep it PG. Yeah, I, I expected you know some I was impressed. yeah some emotional you know, disdain with, with this decision. Um, one thing that I noticed about this benching, obviously he's referring to, I don't know if he explicitly stated. I can't uh, say it. Yeah, that Eli Manning has been benched for, of all people, Geno Smith for this upcoming uh, game on Sunday against the Raiders at home. Um, you know, Eli took it with real class. This is, this is a guy who was drafted to be um, the franchise, and he was the franchise, you know, since 2004, 13 years or so. Um, over 200 games started. 210. In, yeah, started in a row. Um, and and for him to get go out in this way, it seems borderline criminal. Um, the seat, travesty. Yeah, it, I think the real big point is that it's not like you have – um, thinking back to like an Aaron Rodgers when he was with the Packers, like you don't have that guy coming in. It's Geno Smith. There is no chance that Geno Smith is the future of this team. Davis Webb, maybe, but even him, it's a long shot. Uh, kind of crazy to see this, but I will say um, Eli, who I've been relatively critical of the last two years for his on-field performance, I could not say more. I could not praise him more for his off-the-field composure. Um, I thought he... You know, watching the interview with him, he was about as professional as I could have um, expected from anyone. Um, and I gained a lot of respect um, for Eli from that. I think it's a crazy move. I could understand how Giants fans just are absolutely done with Ben McAdoo. Won him, banished, almost like most Eagles fans have that resentment with Chip Kelly. I think this is even worse. This is further. Because of what they're doing to a franchise icon. Um, Mike, I don't know what you have to say, Thomas. Maybe you want to chip in here too. Because um, I think Eli Manning has played his last game as a New York Giant, and that's crazy to think. Would not have expected that going into this season. It's like, what happens if Geno gets hurt? Then what? Does Eli like unceremoniously just come back in? or Streak broken. <laughs> yeah, with the streak broken, but like now it's a consecutive games <laughs> played streak all of, all of a sudden. Um, I don't know. There needs to be like a show about Ben McAdoo going to insert random business here and just tearing it to the ground. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just mind boggling. And I, I disagree. I don't think he's played his last game in, in a Giants uniform. Um, I think, I think, so I you think, think, what do you think he comes back and play some, sometime this season, but no. like the next season, you think he'll play next gonna... season. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's surprising because you have to think they're drafting Darnold or Rosen or whoever right, falls what, to them. It's it, it, that's just a, a recipe for disaster with the way that the offensive line is. I mean, it, it's the same concept with you know the Eagles were able to do it because they got such a good trade for Bradford and they have a they had a great offensive line and they still have a great offensive line. It's kind of like a golf situation, right? Where you bring them in, the offense you know should be better next season, but 
the offensive line isn't going to get fixed in, a, in an offseason. You know, we tried that. We've tried that before. It doesn't work. And bringing Darnold or Rosen in, hopefully Rosen, I like him better, and putting him behind that offensive line just to get killed, that's a confidence killer. Um, so I think that they keep Eli. He, he is the kind of player that, that you would want to be mentored by. And you've seen it in the, in the way he's handled himself. He's, he, see, he might seem stupid, but he's one of the smartest minds in the game. Um, so I, I think they keep him for, for that. And I think he's still got something left. I think he's still got the ability to lead the team, um, hopefully in a better campaign than this season. I think there are a lot of interesting ways to come at this. Because um, if you're Eli, why do you want to go to the Giants or come back to the Giants? Um, obviously, they would have a new coaching staff next year. But you have a team that could very well be interested in you. Obviously, this is speculation, but why would you hold Eli back on what was presumably a non-Super Bowl contending Giants team when you have his old head coach, Tom Coughlin, and a Super Bowl-ready team outside of the quarterback position uh, in Jacksonville there? So I don't know if I can see Eli Manning come back this year. I don't know if you have any other insight into that, Mike, um, because to me, that seems like the best option for him moving forward after this kind of unceremonious end to his his starting tenure with the Giants. Uh, I, I'm making that comment based on you know the 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 way that I've seen Eli handle this and the fact that he's always said that he wants to stay in New York for his entire career, um, and I don't think that he's going to let this get in the way of a potential you know starting fresh next season. That's kind of what where I take it from. But um, this is paining me to talk about, so. Uh, Let's move on. Yeah, well, some... one one last. Nah, uh, it's not uh... gonna affect. This isn't gonna isn't gonna make you mad. Is that the Giants? The year Tom Coughlin's last year there, really good offensive season from Eli. Since McAdoo has been the coach last two years, they haven't scored thirty points once. Obviously, the injuries at receiver this year have held him back. Um, crazy fall uh, from Grace from that team. But now, as Mike wanted to do, let's move on and talk about the final. I guess you would call it. The, fi- pre- the penultimate. Pre- the penultimate, yeah, there you That's go. That's a good That's, word. There you go. Um, release of the college football playoff rankings um, going one through eight. No huge surprises here. Clemson, one. Auburn, two. Oklahoma, three. Wisconsin, four. And then five through eight in order. Alabama, Georgia, Miami, Ohio State. Important to note that only one of those seven teams will not be playing this weekend. That is, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Thomas, I want to start with you here. How do you see this weekend playing out? And what are some of the more crazy scenarios we could see, in your opinion, uh, maybe some, you know, how do some of these teams find their way into the playoff? Well, I think there is for, I think, really six teams. It's win and you're in. It's Clemson, Auburn, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Uh, All those teams are in with a win. Um, And then if Georgia wins, it's in. If Miami wins, it's in. And then beyond that, it gets a little weird. If, if Ohio State wins, then we could be talking about Ohio State's resume versus Alabama's resume, which is a, a totally bonkers possibility for one playoff spot. Um, if Oklahoma loses, you have to figure out what to do with TCU because um, they would be the Big 12 champ at that point. There's a lot of just, if chalk doesn't hold, some, some crazy stuff could happen, but we've got because of who's playing and who the, who who, it's, who they're playing against, um, pretty much a lot of pretty much every team controls their own destiny at this point. And I think that's what you wanted to see. Yeah, I um, first of all, I'd like to say that I think that Auburn at two is a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I think I so. Oklahoma, said, yeah, 
yeah, right. You did. They jumped. They jumped Oklahoma and Wisconsin. They did beat the the number one ranked team, but a two loss team at at number two over an undefeated and an Oklahoma team that's yeah pretty solid. Yeah, just to I mean I think when you get to this part, it's relatively a formality. Um, where you have some of these teams like your Auburn, uh, like an Auburn team where you know if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're out. So their spot doesn't really matter. It's not like if they win um, this weekend against Georgia, they would be lower than four. They, they would finish two or three most likely. So that's kind of why I have them there. That would be the biggest surprise is that they did leap, um, at right. least okay. Oklahoma. Yeah, but that, anyways. that's a good point. But so, so I kind of want to pose this question. Let's say you know TCU beats Oklahoma. USC beats Stanford. You've got two, two lost Big Five champions. Who, who makes it? What well, about Ohio State, yeah. too? They could throw into that, too. And Ohio State. you got three. I think you have to like Ohio State as the number one um, two-loss champion. They do get JT Barrett back against Wisconsin this week. Somewhat of a surprise. I haven't checked the line for that game, but I would think Ohio State's probably the favorite. They, I think it would be more surprising if Wisconsin won that game this weekend. And, and like Thomas said, that is what throws everything into um, chaos because it comes down to Wisconsin will be out, and then you're looking at a two-loss Ohio State team as a Power 5 conference champion in a good conference versus a one-loss non-conference champ Alabama team with really nothing impressive on their resume, nothing like a win against Penn State at home and like a win on a neutral field um, against Wisconsin, which would what Ohio, is which is what Ohio State needs to do. It looks like we got the line pulled up. Ohio State, Ohio State yeah. six, six, six-point six favorites. So, yeah. so this is where it becomes interesting is – this is, I mean, this is the committee's going to have to decide on this in the what seems likely scenario or very possible scenario that Ohio State beats Wisconsin in Indianapolis. And we know that a spot opens up there, but does it go to Ohio State? Does it go to Alabama, assuming That's the top three teams all right. I think that that has to go to Ohio State. But they have two losses, and they lost at home to Oklahoma, who will probably be in. But then they got absolutely shellacked by right. Iowa, 55 to 17. I mean, that's going right, to really I think they have more play. quality wins on their on their on their slate than Alabama. Alabama lost one of the only two real teams that they've played. Yeah, so Alabama beat Mississippi State on the road um, by a touchdown right, late, really close. close game, and then they beat LSU at home relatively convincingly. I I don't know, Thomas. I don't know I'm, how you feel about this because um, I think that is going to be if Ohio State wins, that is going to be the debate going into that Final Four because um, you know Georgia Auburn is going to get in. Uh, it, uh, Miami. Well, here this is another if one. If Miami wins, it, does Clemson still get that, this? That's, that's the other one. That I think. No. And is is Miami automatically in if they win? Yes. I think so. Yes. Because yes. but they jump. They're at seven right now. I I think that's an interesting debate because I think is Clemson in the conversation if they lose because their only loss was when their starting quarterback was injured and all of the top teams they played. They beat Auburn at home. There Don't wasn't the same that. Auburn team. But they beat them at home, close game, and they win generally pretty emphatically. Um, so if they were to lose a close game to Miami, and let's say Ohio State beat Wisconsin, now you're looking at a really muddied picture, especially if Oklahoma were to lose. I don't oh, know. Oh, here what. comes UCF with a steel chair. Yeah, UCF, and what about uh, USC, like you mentioned earlier? I, 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 I don't think know. USC makes USC's that, makes it sword. over Clemson. A two-loss two Pac-12 champion over a two-loss non- mm. Mm. non-Big 5 champion. Like, that just doesn't, mm. like, that doesn't make sense. If that, that would be a travesty to, to USC. I mean, they've beat some good teams. 
Like who? I mean, they beat Texas. I think they lost to Notre Dame. They would have beaten Stanford. USC got waxed by Notre by Dame. Notre Dame. I mean, I don't know. This is why I love talking about this. I say this every single week yeah, that we've done this. Yeah, a broken record. I, I know. It, it's because I think... The it, potential they, hypotheticals for this year are crazier than any year we've had before. You think so? I, I think last year you had a really good debate between Penn State and Washington. The first year you had TCU, Ohio State was a really good debate. Obviously, Ohio State got in and won the title. Um, but no, I, and I think this kind of goes to a larger point of how much easier would everything be if they, they just said eight teams, I mean, think right? about it. You would have your eight teams. You would have eight, you'd have maybe some USC would be contending for a spot depending on some of yeah. these guys losing, but you would have Alabama would be in and a bunch of these teams that are in the, the loser top. of Auburn, Georgia would probably be in the loser of Miami Clemson would probably be in. You mean be out. Loser yeah. Of. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. The loser yeah. of Miami and Clemson would be out. The loser of Georgia and Oklahoma would be out. That opens the, the door for Which would TCU, be weird because, because Alabama USC. would be safe right now. Yeah, yes. Alabama without which a conference championship game weird. would be 100% but, safe. Right, they would be in a, they're also, in a worse situation than Georgia, but Georgia's in the conference championship game. Yeah, yeah I remember that happened to uh, Georgia a few years ago. They got into the SEC title game against Bama, lost because that was one of those crazy Bama teams. And Georgia and Florida both had one loss before that. Georgia got a second, and it like Florida got a better bowl than Georgia that year. Yeah. That I mean, that was before the playoff, but like Florida might have gotten in the playoff ahead of Georgia if that was a thing, and that was just that was all weird. Yeah, generally it seems like, um, and you guys can kind of refresh my memory on this. Generally, it seems like there's always six teams. They always when they do the playoff thing on ESPN, they show the top six. They show five and six outside of the bracket. Um, it seems like there's six teams. Now, if you extended it to eight, I think at that point you might be getting some undeserving teams. But I do think, and I think logistically it's a challenge, but I do think you would be getting uh, a more equitable system where teams would be less afraid to play these really big out-of-conference games early in the season. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to that point, could really help Oklahoma, could really hurt Ohio State because they took the loss there. And then you think about an Alabama who scheduled Florida State um, in the first week, and Florida State completely busted out because Francois got hurt. Um, you know that that's kind of come back to haunt Alabama. I don't know if, you, if the I think the four versus eight's a discussion for another day. But I think you know we're gonna we could see some chaos if chalk does not hold because if the top right. four all win, it they, they've said you know the, the die has been cast so to speak. Right. They they've said who who's gonna get in. All right. Um, enough for that. We will be back uh, with this next week, and I guess by the time we record right. it'll be, next week, we it'll uh, be this, we'll have the four teams. Right, because it's on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, so, so, Sunday yes. yeah, so we'll have the four teams. All right, so now we're going to go into an NFL preview for the big four matchups this week. Uh, we kind of went through and saw four games that we really liked. We're going to go through in chronological order, and we're going to start with the Vikings at Atlanta Vikings obviously leading the NFC North at nine and two. The Falcons are seven and four on what a three game win streak games, now. Yeah. Playing pretty good football. That Atlanta Falcons team you expected uh, when the season started. Um, so this game's at one o'clock. Thomas, what are your thoughts on this game? Pretty big game for playoff implications in the NFC. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, the NFC South is is really wide open with the Saints losing last week. Uh, Carolina, I believe, is eight and three they as are. well, yep. and then there's Atlanta at seven and four, um, and so this is a big home matchup for the Falcons. I, um, I still don't know what the hell happened to Case Keenum. 
Like if if you got got bit by a spider. Yeah, I mean that's that's it has to be it because I don't really have any explanation for him and Adam Thielen suddenly becoming the best combo in the league. I love it. I love it. Uh, as a as a Maryland student, Stefan Diggs being a part of that is is very fun. Um, but it it's like the Vikings are are still weird to me, especially with Dalvin Cook hurt. Um, I I think they have to be legit at this point. I mean the defense for sure. Um, but I have a little bit more faith in the Falcons at this point, especially now that Julio Jones is, is doing what he is. Well, I think that Julio Jones has always been doing what it is, what he is. They just weren't throwing the ball to him. You guys got to get, it was a travesty that they weren't getting him involved in the first, what, eight games of the season. Uh, and something finally clicked in Sarkeesian says that maybe they should throw the ball to the second best wide receiver in the league coming from an Odell fan. Um, I still tell you, I think I take the Vikings in this situation. That defense is just stymieing. I would call it second best in the league. Two. Um, I'm not gonna say it. Uh, really, I, I'm. I think most people. Most people would. Oh well, Jacksonville too. I think most people would put the Vikings as the best in the NFC, uh, disregarding think I, Jacksonville. I, I, I think I, I lean with you. I'm yeah, biased, but I, I, um, talking about the Eagles, of course, who we'll get to. But yeah, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Vikings in this in this situation. Um, I don't know. I don't think the Falcons have proved it to me yet that they're going to shake all the cobwebs from early in the season. Um, but we'll see. It's going to be a really great game. This 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 week is just loaded with great matchups. Yeah, we have some stars. We'll go through. We'll just pick all four of these games. Um, I'm actually going to go against you. I've been picking against the Vikings every week. I thought the Redskins would beat them. I thought the Lions would beat them. Those are both uh, road games. Uh, it looks like, I guess, they're on the road for another week, and they have Carolina the week um, after this one. So I'm going to go with the Falcons. Thomas, who do you like in this game? I've, I've got Falcons. you got Falcons too. All right, moving on. Now we talked about one NFC South team at 7-4. and four. Now we're going to talk about the two 8-3 and three teams in the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. This is a huge, huge game. Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? Doesn't get much better than this. Two 8-3 interdivision fierce rivals. The, it, the Saints didn't look too hot against the Rams. Um, I think it had a lot to do with you know Lattimore and I don't know the other corner, um, but their top three corners were out, right? Yep. Um, and Goff had a pretty good game. A little underwhelmed from what I've seen from Drew Brees. Um, I don't know if they're just not letting him you know rip it anymore. They're leaning heavily on that run game. Um, but I'm gonna pick the Panthers on the road here. Okay, interesting. One thing about Drew Brees, and I've been saying, you watch them play, and they love pounding that the the ball with the run game. Kamara's a fantastic young player. Drew Brees is still, I think, third in passing yards. He's in the top five at the very least, and he's second or third in pass rating. So it's not like Drew Brees has had a bad season by any stretch, right. but really surprising. Uh, it seems like his totals as a whole have been low. Uh, Thomas, what are your thoughts am, on this game? I'm the president of the Drew Brees fantasy owner support group. Oh, the, the Saints, are, you, Saints are having their best year ever, and it's not the year to have Breeze in fantasy. It's it's. What it's universe are we living in? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't I wonder know. where the universe hates me. <laughs> uh, I mean, and Cam Newton's my quarterback in the other league, so now I'm conflicted. But so, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, any, I, mean, I like any either of these teams. Um, I I like both teams. I I am gonna lean toward the Panthers at this point. The Saints have underwhelmed me a couple weeks in a row now really should have lost to Washington in a game I don't want to talk about. Um, and and the Panthers have, have looked good. They took a while to get going against the Jets, but they got going. So um, I think they'll they'll keep it going. 
Yeah, I think this is a, a very interesting game. Obviously, um, Cam Newton up and down, didn't really play well um, at the Jets last week. I do like the Saints to kind of hold serve uh, in the Superdome. Obviously, a great home field advantage there. All right, moving on to the big game of the weekend. Um, we have the Philadelphia Eagles at 10-1 and at the Seattle Seahawks at 7-4. and The Seahawks, who currently at 7-4, and find themselves on the outside looking in uh, for the sixth wildcard spot in the NFC. Thomas, we're going to start with you. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on, on this game? Um, it's, it's an interesting matchup of quarterbacks in particular. I, I know the quarterbacks don't play against each other directly, but they do a lot of the same things. Russell Wilson is a master of scrambling and buying extra time, and Carson Wentz is a lot of the same. Um, and both physical defenses, uh, Seahawks a little more banged up in that, but they're at home. Um, it's there's a lot of a lot of even stuff in this matchup. Who do you like in this game? Uh, because the Seahawks are as banged up as they are, I'm still going to go Eagles. Mike, um, yeah. So look, Thomas kind of covered a lot of what I was going to talk about. Um, Sorry about it. I, you know what? It's good. It's good to have a knowledgeable person on the podcast for once. Less um, Eagles talk <laughs> for Mike. Less yeah. Eagles praise. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna take the 12th man here. I'm gonna go with the Seahawks at home. They defend the turf. Russell Wilson balls out like he has for the past six weeks. Um, Eagles return to their true form, and you know the Vikings tie up for the, the for the first spot. Who who would be in? in in line for the number one seed at that situation. You know? Um, so they would both have one loss in conference. Um, I and then would, it would go to it would go to strength division. Of victory. I thought no, it would go to, I think it, division. Division. Does, no. it was division. I, that's it's a moot point because the Vikings have a harder schedule. The Eagles right. uh, will be the fine. easiest schedule in the league. Um, so up to this point, they they sure have it. I think this is a really interesting game. Um, I expect the Eagles to play well. Really struggled at Seattle last year. Obviously under. Um, some different circumstances there. Um, but I think you have a matchup, as Thomas said, two very, very exciting quarterbacks to watch. Maybe not the two best quarterbacks in the league, but probably two of the most exciting to watch, especially with um, Aaron Rodgers um, out for the moment. So I think we see a great game here tonight. Um, I will pick the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, um, really? In, in, in a Stunner. In Stunner. A, in a, uh, two the crowd goes wild. In a two-possession game. All right, last game of... Uh, that we're going to cover for this week. Kind of a sneaky, interesting game is the 9-2 and Pittsburgh Steelers with a division matchup at, I believe, 5-6 and Cincinnati Bengals, who are all of a sudden, with that beautiful 5-6 and record, looking at a wildcard spot in the AFC. I don't think their schedule is that tough down the stretch, so they have a chance. This is kind of an interesting game. Um, Mike, do you, have, do you think Cincinnati has a chance here? Uh, no, I'm not a huge fan of this being included in the interesting games lineup. Uh, I think the Steelers blow them out. The, the The Bengals have not beat a good team. You want me to list that their wins? They've beaten the Bills, the Browns. Good, good one. Solid win. Okay. The Bills and the Browns, that's two. The Browns again, that's three. Uh, the Broncos, in their, you know, when they started being poopy, that's four. Well, that's yeah, four really just what's five? bad wins. I think um, Mike's wrong. I think they're four and seven. No, no, they have five. The Colts. Oh, I didn't say the Colts. By one point at by, home. By one point yeah. at home. That's just that's horrendous. Yeah. The the sneaker the, uh, the Steelers are kind of a very up and down team. Did not play um, 
you know, they played Green Bay close at home on Sunday Night also, Football, needed a bailout field goal to win the game. Right, but by, the, the, by the definition of up and down, they will be up after maybe. being down. Not, not an unfair point, Thomas. Do you think there's any chance the Bengals pull this one out and then really put themselves in that AFC wildcard hunt, just lining up for a first-round Andy Dalton exit? I, uh, I would be surprised if they pulled this one out. I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it close. This is a very interesting matchup. Just entirely because whenever these teams play, a fight breaks out about 90% of the time. Uh, It's interesting football. But I I think the Steelers just have too many weapons still, um, and they'll probably get it done. All right, so you got Steelers. I'm going to say... I, I like the Bengals more than you guys do. I'm gonna actually. I, I think it's time the Steelers oh, yeah, lose a, the game. That's a bad I, but I want this. I want the Steelers to I do well. I the Bengals in the all two sixty seven. I want the Steelers to do well because I want them to the Patriots not to get home field advantage. They do play the Steelers in Pittsburgh, um, one of the last weeks of the season, so they still are alive if they lose this one. Um, so as much as I want that to happen, I do think the Bengals actually have a better chance than most would think this week. You're picking the Steelers, obviously. Yeah, and I hate to break it to you, but. The Pats are going to get the one seed. Well, honestly, at this point, um, if the Eagles have, if the Eagles go to the Super Bowl, give me the Pats. Um, all right, so we're just going to do a real quick all two sixty seven recap. We did hit on a lot of the games for this upcoming week that we wanted to. Um, I have taken a pretty solid lead. I'm up five games on Mike. Interestingly enough, Mike, I looked at the uh, records of all the people on ESPN who picked the games every single week. And there were a couple of guys, most of them we were behind because obviously we're playing at a disadvantage with some bad information, you know, when we picked this in August. But we are ahead of some of the guys, so shame on them, shame really. Shame on that, That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing <laughs> that you would have <laughs> Two college kids in their dorm, in, in their apartments, picking games at the beginning of the year with no knowledge of injuries who Greens, stinks? Trades, the, think who about stinks. Like, think about the Giants. Right. Like, I predicted the, the Giants to be eleven and five, and the Rams to be four and twelve. The Jaguars. And these guys can't beat me. Yeah. So that's tough. So that's kind of going for that. One thing I want to mention about Mile Two Sixty Seven. I cast them off after Week Four, but the Los Angeles Chargers are going to make the playoffs. How is about it, that? Is they're, they're, they, they're firing up the yeah, the winning streak. It's at this point, it looks like their division to lose. So that was one one point I wanted to get in. We'll obviously be following uh, the rest of the season uh as we wind up here in the last uh what five weeks of the regular season it's flown by all right guys thomas thanks for coming on we enjoyed we enjoyed having you mike as always as always thanks for listening guys